0: Episode 5, Series 2, George Ezra and Friends, the Podcast. Here we are with my guest this week, Ollie Alexander. I think I think this was the first episode that I recorded for this series. Um, Ollie kindly came and met me at a hotel here in London. Um, I think he'd been recording some vocals first thing that morning. And um, yeah, I, I I loved this one because if I'm honest, and I mentioned this to Ollie in the episode, myself and Years and Years, we were releasing our first albums, our early recordings and everything at the same time. And as a result, it meant that although I knew the music of Years and Years, I knew very little about them, uh, simply because I had been in my own bubble. Um, so it was really fascinating for me to sit down and learn more about the band and uh, how they came to be. I really enjoyed that. So Ollie, thank you very much for your time. I should say, at the half-time break, hold tight. We will hear a word from our partners over at Mind Charity. And, as always, there may be one or two swear words in this episode. So if you are listening with little people around you, if you have kids in the car, in the house, wherever you are, just a heads up, that might happen. Um, hey, let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ollie Alexander. Where have you
1: come from? Hackney. Well, actually, no, I was just in, um, Ken's Rise. OK. Because I was just recording some, like, acoustic thing. Um... This morning? Yeah. I know. It was actually the only time that our produce like... Because we, like, half did it before Christmas and then stopped. It's like... Uh, no, not, sorry, not before Christmas. What, fuck, where are we? Like, a few months... Like, a month ago, and then we stopped and then we, like, forgot to do the vocal and our producer's so busy, and he was just like, I can only do it Monday morning at 11am, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be there. No, fine.
0: Um, so when I, um, I don't know, it's been different for each guest, but I normally like sit down and do a load of research. Yeah. It depends though, like, a lot of them I haven't because I've wanted to find out more, or I kind of know what the, what the internet has to offer, if that, like yeah. what they've done before. Yeah. And I sat down to start, researching about yourself and the band yeah and i realized because we released our first music at the same time i was hyper aware of you and your music yeah but because we would have been doing like the busiest time of our life would have been at the same
1: time yeah if that makes sense yeah
0: um and i decided to kind of keep it that way so i haven't done loads and loads of digging
1: that's, at all. how dare you um,
0: <laughs> no for the purpose of this yeah, that's so what, good. what what i know and please at any point just be like wrong but there's a band the three of you met in london yes quite a while ago now was it mikey was starting it there's mikey and yeah. henry and yourself <laughs> mikey was starting a band in 2010 i yeah. believe um what the first question that comes from that i know you didn't grow up in london no so what how come you were in london
1: well um i moved when i was 18 from the Forest of Dean, I was living at my, at my mum's house with her and my brother, and I moved when I was 18 because I wanted to get away as soon as I could. So I just was like, I'm going to move to London as soon as I can, as soon as I can a- afford to. And I had been, um, wh- I, had a few, I, had, I had just done a couple of acting jobs because I got an acting agent when I was 17 and started working. And um, I was in college and my college uh, tutors were not happy about me doing this acting work. So they were like, you have to drop out so I dropped out and then I moved to London like the day after my 18th birthday pretty much because I could afford to put like a deposit on a flat to rent so I was just like that was the reason I just wanted to get out and just move to like Bright Lights Big City you know and I moved so to Bethlehem Green. So there was
0: like the allure of?
1: To- yeah, yeah totally yeah. Had
0: you spent much time here before anyway?
1: No I'm not really I mean I've done bits I did my work experience at the Pleasant Theatre in Islington <laughs> mm. and uh, I've been a couple times but in my mind it was just like you know, I'd been to Brick Lane when I was like sixteen or something and I just was like, Oh wow, so cool, I wanna move there And so I moved to just off Brick Lane when I was eighteen with this girl who was like a friend of a friend, and didn't sort of really know her and I didn't know anybody else in the city and and um yeah, I, I would just had this image in my mind of kind of like walking into this like queer utopia where everyone was like singing songs and making friends with each other and but in reality, it was actually like quite hard moving to the C 18, not knowing anyone.
0: Do you think at the time, were you going, I'll move to
1: London and pursue acting more? Right. So I kind of thought that maybe I would, yeah, keep acting. Because um, I was in bands and stuff when I was at school. And um, But then it kind of, me and my friends were in a band, but we went to different kind of colleges. And it sort of like died down. And I was thinking about what I was going to do in my life. And I kind of fell into this... Um, acting position basically like I got an acting agent and I was like oh maybe I'll do this and that's when I moved to London and I took my keyboard with me and I was sort of like not really doing any music for quite a while and um, I, I really missed it and then I met Mikey a couple of years after I moved to London and he was the first person I'd met who was also a musician who also wanted to kind of to make music and I was like oh let me join the band I'll be I'll be the singer <laughs> so I forced my way in and, yeah. the, and I heard that at
0: that time like early doors it was quite folky yeah, yeah, it was really different. But that was completely the time, wasn't it? I like everyone. <laughs> no, it was though. Like... I remember
1: listening to a lot of um, Beirut uh-huh. and uh, bon-, bon Iver's first album. Uh-huh. That was they, they were big, big vibes. But there was even in London though, it felt like
0: because when I was, I don't know, how old are you now? I'm nearly twenty-eight. Okay, so when I was kind of sixteen, I would have been. It was just folk bands. And that was what all me and my friends were doing as well. It was kind of oh, like I the see. guitar. But it was a peat, like it was.
1: I don't know. Did you ever p- listen to Nisloppy? Yes, I did hear Nisloppy. <laughs> the song about the tractor yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually so good. <laughs> yeah. And um, who else was had like a sort of folky vibe at that time? I'm trying well, to there think. was all
0: that kind of Laura Marling, Mumford um, and Sons, Johnny Flynn, but then there was the kind of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're totally But it. But it was was like a thing. Yeah. I think also when you're, you know, when you're starting out playing music, I mean, this is probably actually completely different now, but back then it felt like you had to have your hands on an actual instrument and be portable enough to kind of go and play anywhere. So if you could play an acoustic guitar at stretch, I mean, I can never play guitar, but at a stretch, you know, I could try. And then I played piano or keyboard and you could move. I used to hike my keyboard around, you know, and do little gigs. So it felt like we were all kind of just making music with what we had so which was like acoustic guitar electric guitar another guy had a ukulele so we're like let's use the ukulele for this song so it kind of just was like happening you know that way and then it wasn't until we sort of like bought laptops and tried to understand how to use ableton and you know pro tools that we actually started really making electronic music
0: did was it mikey in particular or yourself that fell in love with doing that like because you can spend hours you spend like what feels like half an hour messing around with a synth sound and it's yeah. like four in the morning. Do you like that? Do you enjoy? Um, uh, the truth is I know I'm not equipped with... I've not got the ability and I've also not got the patience. Mm. So I, I enjoy it for like... There's a day that stands out last year where it was just an afternoon in my own place and I've built a track using this synth and no one will ever hear it. And yeah. I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, But I definitely don't think I'm there yet. No. I remember seeing a, a clip of David Bowie talking about synthesizers and he was like, they're only good when you use them outside of what they're supposed to do. Right. As soon as you use them for what they're supposed to do. Because he was like, they're built by mechanics and, you know, um, they're the best when you kind of... Do- and that's I actually like the fact I don't know how they work very well. Because yeah. it means when I twist something on it or push a fader up or something it's not I'm not doing it it's constant surprises that sounds amazing yeah
1: exactly yeah Yeah, they're like mysterious magical machines to me I have no idea how they work really either like I mean I remember me and Mikey we bought our we bought a synth together this is Roland Gaia and I like half sort of understood how to use this Gaia and I used all these made all these like synth sounds and then we used them for our first EPs and stuff and it was like genuinely like I loved doing that but I literally know nothing about I I just about know what, like, an envelope does for, like, you know, it's more Mikey and Emery's world, for sure. Like, they get super nerdy about it and can talk for... Like, Mikey reads synth magazines, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, actual magazines dedicated to synths.
0: fair play to him. I definitely (laughs) don't do that. Are you... Like, what did gigs look like then, in the early days? You were saying, like, you use what you've got and what you can get around. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, when we first started, we were... Four, there was four of us, then there were five of us. We had like a drummer in the band called Olivier and another guy in the band called Noel who played sort of like anything between like ukuleles to like weird tech, like chaos pads or like triggering his like machine drum, d- drum machine. So on stage would be like a, an assortment of sort of like guitar amps, some sort of drum machine trigger setup on some stands. Um, myself, I would be playing like a bass synth. Um, Emery would be playing another synth, and Mikey would be playing either another synth or bass guitar. So it was just a complete mess on stage. Like it was, and also we always have this running joke because we, you know, when you, when we're starting out, you have to set up everything on stage yourself, you know, you have to like know how all the stuff goes together. And like the running joke was that I just never, never knew like what any of the cables did or like what went where. And I was always just making mistakes and like having fights with like stage technicians <laughs> and like sound guys. Cause so I was like, I just want to be louder, you guys. With like a typical singer, just like <laughs> complaining. A, that's brilliant. There's <laughs> this like,
0: I used to do a string of, like it would be a week or two weeks at a time. I'd go and do open mic nights and my own little shows in Cornwall. Oh, and, nice. And um, these guys at SW1 would help me put that together.
1: Yeah, and it What's
0: was SW1? They're like promoters down there in Cornwall, oh, okay. uh, or in the in the West. Um, and I remember the, this one gig. I rocked up to this place called the Tap House in uh, Saint Agnes, and I met the dude that runs it. He's a dude called Tim, and they're all lovely. I've been down since, so it's like it ends well for the first gig I got down there for. There was just a PA unset up, and he was like. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, need to, you need to set this up. And I was just so... I didn't want to let him know that I didn't really know what I was doing. So I, I was just so like, know your pain. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, I'll just leave me to it. And I was looking at it like,
1: okay, it can't be that hard. <laughs> I so know that pain. I've been in that position so many times. Just, just let me sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me know
0: when you're ready, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and did you, did you ever consider... I don't know. Was it ever an option for you not to be in a band? Did it make sense for you to be in a band and work with other people? Do you like that kind of?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I did some gigs by myself when I was when I was a teenager. You know, I played I played at the uh, at a hedge maze once. You know those mazes that are yeah. made of hedges. Oh no, sorry, it was no, it wasn't a hedge maze, it was make, called... Make
0: the audience really work for it, to find you. <laughs> What's that sound?
1: <laughs> it was actually, I think it was the amazing maze maze. It was a maze made of maze. A maze. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember doing a gig there by myself, and I used to do a few like that, which would be me and my keyboard. And um, But I don't know, I always think... I was in a band that's when I was in secondary school, and I loved it so much, you know, I just thought it was... Um, I love being on stage with your friends and having that, you know, vibe. But, um, and then, I also didn't know how to make anything happen by myself, mm. don't think. I think I, I didn't know how to like, I wouldn't, I wasn't the type of person that would have gone and done a gig solo in London. Mm. I don't know, I just didn't, I don't know. I think I needed sort of the kind of confidence and support that you get when you're in a band. Yeah. Um, Where, what was the moment when you realised,
0: like something was happening bigger than you being you know, mates making music where, yeah, like, yeah. do you remember a moment where you went, oh this is we're pursuing this, it's happening
1: I don't know, it's kind of like there are loads of those moments in a way because I think like, I remember when we we just sort of, we made our own video, we made a video for one of our songs and this was really early on like, I don't know, 2011 maybe or something, 12, no 12, I don't know um, and for whatever reason this was back in the day of like Hype machine and blogs on the internet being like super important for like new songs and new new artists, um, and I guess maybe they still are, but I, I don't know. Now it's like all algorithms. <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs> um, and the video got like a hundred, nearly a hundred thousand views or something on YouTube, which was like a huge deal for an act that literally has come from nowhere. Yeah, of course. Um, and that we got inter- we got management from this video, right? So like managers started calling up or emailing being like hey can we meet you for a representation blah blah and at that moment it felt like oh maybe this really is a thing but i think we're all in denial i think and we were all just like oh no this is and everyone's got jobs you know like everyone's working you know i was working in a bar full-time but also i was like kind of half still acting and then everyone else had full-time jobs so it's always this little bit like one foot in one foot out and we took us a really long time to from that stage when we did get a manager to you know getting signed to Polydor like how many years later that like, was like so much shit that went down and like rearrangement of the band and like people leaving and just changing the music style even and like figuring out a way to make it work. It was all kind of, Was yeah. that
0: all done in like, in a happy way? Was it kind of you guys experimenting sounds and look and did it, or was it more like <laughs> trial and error? Let's try this, that didn't feel right. Yeah, I think that one. Think the trial and yeah. error. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's cool though. Yeah, I mean it was, I think it's funny being in a band, I don't know. It's like you're in a relationship with, you're literally married to these people, you know, like, it's um, it's just such an interesting dynamic to be to be in a group with, you've got creative minds and you're all kind of pitching in to make something and that's what makes it unique, you know, it's what makes it special. Um, but it's not always the easiest thing to kind of navigate because I was also very much like quite, I don't know, I was so shy when we first started out and I just, I was writing the songs, but, um, you know I didn't feel like I really like f- felt like a front man and so I, we, I don't know it took us like a long time to figure out how we wanted to actually how I wanted to what we, what any of us wanted from the music and the band you know like it took us a while to figure that out and I think like, it was trial and error yeah, yeah. it's
0: what you just said it's, it, I get that completely because you definitely seem completely like a front man and there's something for audiences that it's proper performance yeah. you know no but it's like and drama. i don't think you just do that i think you have to find yourself in that sense yeah and i think also with you, you go from kind of the open mic nights and little gigs like that and then you support someone in a venue you wouldn't be able to play yourself and then you play that venue but then you're also supporting people in other bigger venues and with each stage that gets bigger and then festival, that's when you grow into your own a bit more and you start to use the space that you've got it can be a bit off-putting when you go to like there's someone in the corner of a pub and they're performing the exact same as they would at the pyramid stage or whatever you're a bit like you haven't quite (laughs) you you need to get there does that
1: make sense you're so right. You're very, very wise, George. Mm. You, I feel like uh, in your future you're going to be like the voice of these, like. Well, at first I think you should you should definitely do an audiobook because your voice is very soothing and calming mm. and quite wise. So I think you could also voice the, like the character of a wise person in a, either like a movie or a video game. I mean, a wizard.
0: I was talking to someone about this just the other day. I mean, thank you very much. Yeah, but I was like, you're welcome. The, the, you know, the, the people now if they write an autobiography they do the audiobook version, which uh. means they have to read the whole book and sound interested. So they yeah. have to like read their own thing back. But it, it's not, yeah. That, At 12 years old. Yeah. But that must, how do that, what I was going is, I was asking the question, do you reckon they do four hours of recording a day for two weeks? Do You, you must, otherwise you would sound so bored.
1: I think they do it in stages, yes. With my limited knowledge of, of <laughs> I think Holly, you're guessing <laughs> But it'd be so much to do it all in one go. But maybe it would be more time, Fisher. Sure. Who yeah. knows? Um, do you think you will ever do an autobiography, George? Uh, I don't think I've got anything to write about just yet. Ah. Oh. I don't think I've got. Well, but in your future, you may be. Maybe your maybe. memoirs. I kind of hope that nothing
0: too extremes happens to me in life. I feel like to have an autobiography, you have to.
1: People extremes want, have to happen, but people want the details. People but want I the, don't want people to have the details. There you go. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> no, enough.
0: I think it's more the ones that I have read autobiographies. It's like proper life events, and although I've done like above and beyond what I thought I would do, I don't. But you've got
1: a unique experience and a u- unique point of view, just so like everybody does. Yeah. You know? So, I know what you're saying. I'm not tr- yeah. I'm not pressuring you into writing an autobiography. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. So I'm going to be your agent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So then, like, how does, what does writing look like in years and years? Do you, like, screw yourself away and write loads of lyrics or melodies and then come to a room and, you know, the guys have got...
1: Yeah, so I think the songwriting process with us is quite unique. And also, actually, it happens in lots of different ways because we, um, you know, I, I always... Was always writing songs like when I first learned to play piano. I first learned to play the piano, and um, my dad like taught me how to play some chords. And then, like, how you and taught me how you like I don't actually, I'm not really technically proficient in music in any way, but I was explained like the structure of chords and how they make sense within like certain keys. And so, if you work out the you know, there's a pattern for every chord, and like I kind of started to work that out, and that's how I kind of like taught myself to play piano because I had this chord, this songbook. There was just chords of kind of like famous busker songs of like Dylan and Joni Mitchell and whatever. So, sorry, this is a really like roundabout way of telling you how I write music. Um, I just, I figured, I just noticed that all these songs had just four chords in them, you know? And I was like, well, this is all you needed for this song. So I'm going to write a song to these four chords. Um, And I basically just, that's how I started writing songs, you know, just by myself and like making little songs up and... You know, making little dance routines to the songs, <laughs> and I uh, had like a four-track um, cassette tape recorder thing, which um, is, co- I'm sure, it's probably like v- and a vintage piece of memorabilia now. But um, <laughs> and like made little songs and stuff, and then so, w- Mikey and Emory when I met, when I met Mikey and Emery, they were already uh, in years and years. They were already a band and like they were making music, but they didn't have. Uh, it was very sort of like just ambient, like uh, okay. kind of like just pieces of kind of music without vocals, even, and they they hadn't really done much yet, and they were sort of looking for a singer and also someone who could write, you know, songs. And um, I was like, you know, oh well, I love writing songs, you know, that's my that's my thing. Um, so I would kind of come in and be like, I have this song that I've written that has four chords, and you know, I had all the melodies and lyrics ready, and I say, what well, can we make this into a song, into a, like a Years and Years song? So we did things like that for a really long time. And then sometimes we'd kind of, uh, we'd maybe like write a song to a beat if Emery had made something because uh-huh. he was kind of making beats on his laptop and, or we'd play around with the synth and be like, oh, that sounds cool. And, you know, we try and work things out. And then uh, that's, cu- it, it still happens like that actually sometimes because I still write, write a lot of songs just on the piano. Um, but I also like have gone and worked with, you know, the big fancy pop, songwriters of our day and age, like <laughs> Julie Michaels and Greg Kirsten, which is all like uh, totally different. And I'm sure you've been in like similar, I don't know if you've written with those guys, but I'm sure you've been in like sessions and all of that stuff. It's a completely different experience. And like that is um, very, I don't know, that was quite, that's quite interesting. So we have some songs that have come about that way and then we'll like rework it in the years and years format and we'll all get in the studio and change things and it's all, mm. every song takes about like a million years to get finished, <laughs> yeah. basically is what I'm trying to tell you, that long ass story um, and, and hence <laughs> the band name yeah exactly, <laughs> there we go, that's it
0: um, no that's cool um, do, when you say like the guys were making this ambient like soundscape
1: yeah. kind of music, <laughs> Yeah. did
0: you inject then like pop sensibility were you the guy that was like choruses? yes, um, yeah. 100% yeah. and did, they, did it take them did
1: they have to warm into that idea or were they... I think, I mean, there's always been a sort of like, I'm always pushing the pop angle and, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now because obviously we're a pop band, but but especially when we first met, it was definitely a bit more like Mikey and Emery's influences kind of taking, (laughs) taking the lead and they, you know, loved Radiohead and Flying Lotus and like kind of quite like a... They wanted to create this sort of, like, blend of something that wasn't just pop music. Mm -hmm. And I want to do that too, you know, but at the time I'm like, oh, but I just love a chorus, you know, like, I want to sing a lot, I want to sing it. So I um, definitely, like, steered it that way. And they, you know, they have a love of pop music too. It's just, uh, I think they needed sort of someone to kind of...
0: Yeah. It's brilliant that they, like, instead of making this alternative left music and then fighting what you were... You know, it's brilliant that yeah. they went like, yeah, let's try it out. Let's marry the two. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think so. I mean, it wasn't always quite that uh, easy. <laughs> 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 but, you know, sometimes I think tension is good too, you know. It's good. Like, me and Emery have fights all the time. Like, but we, at the end of the day, we like, we do, we just love each other. So it's fine. Uh-huh. But, like, it's, I'm glad that he's, for lots of reasons, I'm glad that he, like, you know, needed to change the, the hi hat sound needed to go in and like alter this and make me think a bit more non-linearly. Yeah, for I songs think sometimes and, I'm the
0: same. Sometimes I can be a bit like, and again, it comes down to this patience thing. But I can be a bit like, it's done, it's cool. Like, uh, and yeah. I kind of just stop. I'm regardless of how it sounds. It's more like, yeah, let's. It's, and it's so healthy for me to have the people around, whether it's Cam, the producer, or
1: just oh, going yeah, I know like, Cam. yeah, He's and great. like for him
0: to be going. Well, no, we. Yeah. You know, it's really healthy to have that, and it it, it kind of.
1: You need it, like you absolutely. You don't know. know everything, like I know nothing. I know exactly. <laughs> I'm like I know
0: less and less as time goes by. I think the one thing that Cam, so for anyone listening, Cam is the producer that I've worked on with everything I've ever released so far. Lovely, Cam. and um, that he's amazing in so many different ways. Like not least his ability, but his.
1: The, his patience with me is just amazing. I always think that about pro- producers as well because you just need the level of patience you need to just like deal with artists, full stop. But also just like spending time, like going over everything, and just the it's like extraordinary yeah, levels. Yeah, yeah, They're like superhumans. Yeah,
0: super yeah but and also it's like. It's their art as well. Them exactly, like agreeing yeah. to work on something is them going, oh, I love what you're doing and I want to put my name to it. Yeah. Um, but it's more just me, like, sitting in the back of the room going like,
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: just bored. Because yeah. I, I get, yeah. Thank you, Cam, if you're listening. <laughs> Hi, Cam. Hi, Cam.
1: <laughs>
0: um, one thing that I really remember and I, when I say that, what I remember is a really blurred memory. Mm. But I remember being at home, it was the festival season of 2014, I want to say, but it could have been 15. And you were on Radio 1 talking about, this is where it's blurred, because I know you've gone on to talk about it at length since mm. in different things, but about your experience with bullying. Mm. Um and it was one of the first times I think I'd heard one of my peers or someone like using their platform for good in that way. Wow. Because if you think about... I'm not, I'm not suggesting that other people don't do things that are good, but I, it was the first time I'd heard it, just naturally I had the radio on. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, even at the time, you know, what's the demographic of Radio 1? It's young people and how important it is for them to hear somebody that they probably, it's so easy for them to go, oh, this person that's got it made, you know, mm. they're doing this, they're doing that. Um, yeah, it really stuck out to me as something that was a brilliant thing to be doing. And I know you still do it. Oh, but sure. how, how, was that, I think it takes a running jump t- to even, it takes a running jump to even talk to the people you know and love yeah. about anything <clears throat> going on. To To make the decision to do it publicly, was that something that, yeah, it took a while to get used to the idea of doing that? Or was it something you knew you wanted to do?
1: No, it was... Um, well, thanks, George, for That's lovely, a lovely, um, lovely <laughs> comment. Um, I, 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 it sort of happens by degrees, I think, you know? Like, as in... I never really... S- don't, don't remember ever having a time where I was like, and now I'm going to talk about this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess... I sort of just... Re- I realised that, well, I guess two things. On the one hand, you know, I've, um, you know, I've lived my own life through the kind of lens of my own personal experiences and, and my own personal mental health, right? Like I've had to get really good at kind of managing my own mental health in order to survive, really. And so part of what I've learned over the years was, um, you know, sharing. It was a really, it's a really hard, and you just said it, it's so hard to talk to anybody about mm-hmm. what, how, the way you're feeling. And um, I still find that hard, but I think I'd learned that doing that is a good thing. You know, like it's always good to, um, if you can, be, share what you're going through and be open and, and, and try and be honest about what you're feeling. And I guess I applied that to just the sort of, the time that, the, the crazy time that i was having and being interviewed all the time and being on stages and and suddenly finding myself being asked questions where you know if i was talking about my time at school like it's just it wouldn't make sense i don't know i can't imagine not saying that i was bullied because actually it was like a really big part of my school life you know and so it just kind of came out and i didn't really think too much about it i guess and but then at the same time i was seeing um how we were. starting to gain fans, right? And like, that's the first time, you know, ever have fa- you know, people who show up and want to listen to you. And I was seeing what they were responding to and like, they would come up to me and say like, oh, I just, you know, I get really get this from your music or thank you for, um, you know, this song and the lyrics mean so much to me. And they would tell me what they were going through and they were struggling and stuff. And, and I'd be like, oh, me too, like, I, I'm, I'm the same. And then I realised that we were kind of both sort of helping each other out in that mm-hmm. exchange. And I was like, well, this is, feels really good. And like, I know so many of these people who come to our shows now, like, could maybe benefit from this kind of exchange happening. So like, I'll just keep doing it. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of just like, it, it just kind of escalated in a way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think also though if you weren't to, but the amount of interviews you end up doing, when something like that is a huge part of your life, you'd end up lying to cover it
1: up. That's exactly, yeah. Because. I don't want to deal with the lies. No, I don't and ha-
0: once you tell one lie in life, it just spirals. More, and you need more lies. Before you know it, you have to, you know, lie more and more to prop that initial lie up. Totally,
1: too much. I would have too much anxiety to, to try, <laughs> yeah. even a try and attempt like that. That's why I sometimes think I get. I'm a bit. I don't know. Sometimes I have maybe been overly honest in some instances. Do you feel
0: that? Do you feel like sometimes uh actually?
1: Well. I th- I, th- I think yeah because sometimes you know my I'll have upset someone in my family and I wouldn't have known but I wouldn't have known like you know for instance that like someone in my family may have read something where I talked about something that has affected them as well you know and I and once that had happened I was really like okay I need to be careful about what I'm saying you know like other people's lives are involved not just mine and that made me feel um, like maybe I. You know, I had a bit of a sliding doors moment where I was like, I wonder if I just never said anything about my private life and yeah. personal life. Would, would, th- would this have sort of happened? But you can't really think like that. And um, I kind of overreacted in the moment. I was like, oh, God, tr- you know, but it was actually fine. And um, it's, I, I think I'm really, I'm happy to have shared what I have. And, you know, I think I'm still figuring out what it all means, obviously, like life, mm. like everybody else. But mm. I don't know. What do, how do you th- feel about d- that sort I of stuff? Think
0: so I'm kind of affiliated and work with Mind, the charity. Yes. And when yes. I was kind of, when I first started to earn money for music, it was the first time in my life I could afford to give regularly to a charity. And I mm. just picked Mind because there had been, like, people really close to me that I knew were going through something, but mm. I was so unequipped to help them. Yeah. I couldn't, I didn't know what it was. So I guess in, just not knowing. I figured that that was a good charity to help. These are people that do know. And I didn't think anything of it. And then at the end of the first record was the first time in my life I was feeling, the word I use now would be anxiety. I don't know if that's exactly right, but it was a feeling I know I'd never had to experience before. I've had like an amazing life, and I still have regardless of that. But I think it was a real wake up call for me to go, Oh, if somebody in your position that's had the upbringing they've had that, you know, to then for this to happen, mm. it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Um, and then you start, like, you go to the supermarket or you get on the train or something. And all of a sudden, I was just looking at everyone going, fuck, you could be feeling the same as me. And you're, like, not telling anyone. Right. You could be, th- it could just be everyone and it really got me thinking it probably is to a degree yeah. and then there's this fact that one in four people will be affected by mental health issues and and i can't help but think it's got to be more because it's, it's definitely more it's got because yeah it's got to be like a we're all on the line somewhere
1: yeah exactly and i think i our- understanding of mental health is changing and in, the, in a sense as well that it's becoming something that I believe it's just everyone has, you know, physical health and mental health, you know, it doesn't so we're just, under, and it's, it's more and more we're kind of discovering more, more about what that means and how individual everyone's different experience individual experience of mental health is and how that's, you know it, it Really, I
0: found it really fascinating because I did watch um, last year I watched your growing up gay oh, documentary oh that's me. but i just it, the of course the whole point of those things is that you learn and i did like straight away it was kind of there is just a base level of ignorance i think from straight people regarding other sexualities purely because we don't have to experience yeah that if that makes sense yeah, so it's kind yeah. of like oh sh- i wouldn't even know that that is something somebody has to go through. Sure. Um. so... That's like, And that's okay, you know, like, that's how... how it's how okay as long you as you understand that that's from your life experience, but you need to know that they do. And yeah. get people around you, you know.
1: I think, yeah, you need to take the steps to understand and try and listen to, you know... But
0: you kind of, throughout the documentary, are saying how your sexuality and your experience of that especially as a young man, affected your mental health and yeah. how, in turn, that affects life, that affects everything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel... I don't know, I don't want to go as far as to say, look, if it hadn't happened, I, I wouldn't be who I am today.
1: Yeah. But are you able to... Well, I kind of do think that, in yeah. a way. Like, I mean, I don't know if you can really sort of, like, separate all these different parts... If your experienced, you know, growing up, like, you know, for me, when I think about like, what makes up me? <laughs> like, I'm thinking about, you know, my sexuality, my, uh, the way I express my gender, the, you know, and then I have these, you know, my own mental health, which is mostly sort of depression and anxiety and those things all, f- you know, and then I have like, growing up, the place that I grew up in, going to school and they're all really mm. integral parts that go into the identity smoothie. Um, and I don't know that you can really sort of take one and go, all right, we'll take that out and see, see what comes out at the end. Um, I'm sure it would be a different result, you know, but it's sort of like uh, they all feel linked to me. I really touched that you watched it and that you said that because it's just really like, I don't know, It feels it's really encouraging just to, for people to just have a curiosity to understand more, to maybe you know, yeah. and then, then examine their own experience and think, oh, well, this is how I slot into this. And yeah, you, I think it was know.
0: the same in the Sam Smith episode of the podcast when he was talking about his experience coming out. And I just had to say again, that wasn't something I had to go through as a yeah. teenage boy. I wasn't going, oh, shit, I forgot my PE kit. And also, does everybody here know that I'm gay
1: and mm-hmm. I need to tell people? Yeah. You know, <laughs> to, like, that wasn't... Right, but that's the thing about I mean, everyone talks a lot about privilege, right? But that is the thing about privilege. You don't... You can't see it yourself. Like, you know, for instance, like, being white. Like, I can't see... what, I can't understand what it's like to not be white because I've grown up with that privilege, you know? And so you need to kind of, like, undo the kind of trappings of your own privileges. Yeah. Um, and uh, not to get too sort of, like... Uh, kind of, like, theoretical about everything, but... No,
0: no, no. I, d- I just think it's fascinating. And I'm so aware that we are living in a time where more and more conversations are happening. Welcome to the interval, the halftime break, ladies and gentlemen, this is the section of the podcast where I take a minute to tell you everything that is going on in the world of George Ezra. This will in fact be the last episode of this half of the series. So what we're doing is we're taking a break for Christmas and New Year's. Um, I don't want to get in anybody's way while you sit back and enjoy time with family and friends so we're going to take a little break uh, and come back punching in the uh, new year which is exciting i mean we're in the middle of december so you know me and the band have just been here there and everywhere especially in the uk over the last few weeks recording different kind of christmas tv programs radio shows uh, things for the new year even one or two bits to, um we've kind of Got ready for the new year, um, and it's a it's a busy time. It's it's funny because we're not playing full shows, um, and when we're playing full shows, when once you're doing that, you're on tour. You know, you're in the um, swing of it. Whereas this is more, it's all over the place, and it's a bit of this, it's a bit of that, and um, there's less routine, which in many ways is very exciting. In many ways, can be tiring, um, but there's nothing wrong with being tired. I think it's a, it's a good thing to work yourself. Um, saying that, I am very much looking forward to a Christmas holiday. Um, For any of you that feel as if you miss a bit of George Ezra in your life over the Christmas holidays, um, head over to georgeezra.com and that's where you will find music, videos, merchandise, information about live dates, photos. You can also sign up to my journal um, from there, which uh, if you sign up, then once a week you will receive an email from me each week I sit down and just write a little entry of everything we've been up to in a little bit more detail than what I'm doing now. Uh, That might be something that you're into. Um, Other than that, I would just like to say a huge thank you to all of you that have supported us this year. Um, People say things like what I'm about to say, and I, I don't know sometimes it's taken as not being genuine, but this has been the most incredible year of my life to date. It's just been an absolute pleasure to be a part of, um and such an experience so yeah thank you to all of you that have kind of come out to see us live you know I love that and everyone that's kind of bought the album and shared the album that's yeah it just means a a great deal to me so thank you very much for enjoying it with me and I hope you have Um, and I hope you're as excited as I am for the new year um, it's kind of cool because next year we get to really sit down and enjoy the work of this year. You know, the tickets are sold, there'll be a festival season, and it's kind of like, yeah, it's almost like next year is the reward after the year of work that we've, we've had. So, um, yeah, thank you very much to all of you for your support. Thank you. Now, we're going to just take a break now to hear a word from our partners at Mind Charity. Here we go. Brilliant, thank you very much for uh, hearing me out there. Um, I hope you find that useful. If you were listening over in Europe, you might have heard an advert, uh, if that's the case. I hope you enjoyed whatever they were trying to sell you. <laughs> right, I don't want to take up any more time. I reckon we should jump straight back into our conversation with Ollie Alexander. Here we go. I think regarding mental health, is it so obvious to me that biggest cure is conversation like the biggest like help or aid for people I think people are going to get bored of celebrities coming out and saying I experience it but only because everyone does so it's right. like the, I think it's brilliant that we do and yeah. that people say um, but I hope one day it's just yeah you, there's the common cold and th- there's your, also your mental health that you need to consider yeah and and the people around you,
1: mm-hmm. you know? I think you're right like what you said earlier, how often, I think it's very common, people don't know how to help someone who they think might need help. Because like, we're, very, we're very ill-equipped with the knowledge mm. to do that and people feel like they don't want to pry. And then, you know, we're all just kind of carrying around these sort of like invisible burdens in a way, whether we're trying to listen or help, or whether we're yeah. the one going through, um, whether, we're, whether we're the one struggling. So
0: I, th- I think I see as well, in my immediate life, my closest friends... I'm potentially the most open, mm. you know, or one of. And there's a lot of kind of, even my closest friends actually, I know little about because they don't really talk about that. And sometimes you worry, like, but you've got to be going through shit. Like, I know, mm. I know what's happening in your life mm-hmm. more than anyone. why are you just bottling it up and then I always say there's that kind of like two pints in three pints in is like the perfect they start to talk about shit but then the next pint the fourth pint is when they get stupid (laughs) there's like a window of they start to talk about something and you're like come on and then
1: you know the next round comes in it's like oh it's gone like that's do you feel that you say that you're quite open yourself do you feel like that's had an impact on your on people around you being open as well, or do you feel like that, does it make them uncomfortable, or? I
0: think it's more, I'm op- I'm really fortunate in that I've got people in my family that I am really able to talk to. And I know, right. in fact, I know that I've got other friends that have that, and, but I'm also aware that I have other friends that don't have that. Yeah. Um. So it's, l- l- but I am open with people that I meet, and I'm open with the people that I know. It goes back to that lying thing. I just, it's kind of like, even if it feels like this is going to be hard to admit, Mm. it's going to be easier than
1: bottling it up. Yeah, and I think, I mean, just personally, I have found being sort of practising, you know, being open and and all of that kind of encourages it. You get it back, I think. I definitely feel like, um, you know, that's happened with me. Like, people open up to me and I'm just, I'm like, just so, you know, I'm really grateful for, Mm. for anyone that does that and so because it kind of like you know enables you to do it back so
0: I I spoke to my dad last week and I said because I am fascinated by it and it's like just an ongoing I said why do you think so many people now are able to talk about mental health but also we've never had it better Mm -hmm. socially in many ways we've never had it better what you reckon and he said well yeah, you, you have never had it better, we have never had it better, but life was simpler when we were younger, so it was like, even though we didn't have as many luxuries, and there wasn't as many tools like at our fingertips to help with day-to-day life, there also wasn't as many job op- options, and there wasn't as many mm. travel options, and there wasn't you know, even the concept of having the internet and you can just look up photos of any other right. culture or, like, that none of that existed, so it was easier to, this was one man's take, by the way, it was, <laughs> like, it, it was just like, it was yeah. just, and, and then he came around to social media and just said, and no doubt that social media on the one hand is brilliant, but you're just going to be comparing yourself to absolutely everybody. Yeah. Which we all do, it's that kind of. I post an Instagram post and then, like a day later, we'll check it to see how many likes it's had and then go, why didn't it get as many as the one before? Yeah.
1: And I'm going. <laughs> shut up George, like it's, as I'm doing it, I'm like shut up George, it doesn't matter. Oh God, I had this meeting with this um, woman, very nice woman, by the way, who works at Instagram, like it was in New York and they're like, you're meeting Instagram today. And I was like, I don't know what this, okay. just <laughs> going in and I'm having a meeting with her and she's really nice, she's telling me a bit about, you know, how all the al- algorithms work, it's all really mysterious and, and I didn't realise that I could look at all these sort of insights on my Instagram page, like there's a special button whatever, that it tells me like who's, how many men like this picture, like where they all, what what city they're all from, like mm. what percentage what age they are, and I was like, Oh no, this is really this is a Pandora's box, it <laughs> cannot be closed. <laughs> it's gonna take over my life. I know, and she was like, So if you see here like you've got a lot of, you know, engagement on this post, and then you know, she'd be like it would be like a picture of me on the beach with my top off and I'm like, Oh god <laughs> And then she be like and if you look at this picture, it didn't do very well, did it? And it's like a picture of, I don't know, a book. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Wow, this is a real great like indication of modern life. I was like, I'll just post the top the selfies then yeah. right? That's all that's just what I should do, isn't it? Yeah, and she yeah. she was just like
0: Well, you know, (laughs) I know, but it's and I have to think like, and you, I'm in a rare situation as in, I'm like, have been fortunate enough to pursue what I love, I'm successful with it at the moment, I've got like people that are listening to what I'm doing, but still, I'm going, Oh, why is this fucking why is this picture not performed as well? Yeah, imagine what that would be like if you know, I was 17 right now, yeah. I have to be like, that's hard. That's got to be hard. I right. remember we were at secondary school. I remember I was in year 10, maybe even year 11, and a lad in my year got the first iPhone. Mm. And it did fuck all. But like I think it had the internet and would load like, you know, so slowly. Yeah. And no one was even that interested in it, because it was like, well, I can't use it. You know, it, yeah. it just if I was sitting in my GCSEs now and I had the phone that I have now in my hands...
1: It is wild. I think, you know, what's crazy is how, like, we're... St- you know, I still consider myself a young person. I mean, I know I'm, push- I'm like, going to be 30 in two years. But, like, how radically everything has changed for us in just five years, even. Yeah. I- and then you go back another ten years and it feels like a-, a completely different age. So I think this is kind of collective anxiety about, like, how th- crazy the world has become. But... I also think, like, you know, we t- when talking about teenagers and social media, there's, like, I, I I sort of am quite horrified, but at the same time, I think teenagers are just... They're so smart and well-equipped now to kind of deal with a lot of the these new problems that we're still trying to get to grips with. Like, because teenagers bored, are doing yeah. it best. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're kind of on top of this stuff, and, like, that's not to say that I'd, I'm... Sh- uh, the mental health implications of, like, living your life through social media are, I think a worry, a concern, but I also have confidence in, like, they're so smart, I don't know, like.
0: I think, I, I completely agree with you, and I think that especially the younger generation that were kind of born with it. Yeah. So, by the time, say somebody that's 17 now, or 16, let's say, the iPhone as we know it will have existed
1: since they were,
0: Yeah. what, eight?
1: Yeah, eight? right. Know. Um, I think but, we're all a bit freaked out by it because we're like, we don't know how I to code. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I do think it's addictive.
1: It is. It is. Yeah. And also, let's be real. Like, there are what four companies in the world who are like dictating how we spend ninety percent of our time? Yeah, it feels yeah, like you yeah, know, yeah. if you're on Instagram, Facebook, Google, like, there are just a few companies. I like because we're would... going down the conspiracy. I know. <laughs> oh, l- listen, I am so in on my conspiracy theories too. But I do. But 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 like actually those platforms aren't there to make you feel good about yourself. They aren't there to like help you lead a better life. They're there to make you spend money and spend time on their app, (laughs) so... Just a disclaimer, you can follow me at Instagram. Yeah, exactly! (laughs) But we all have them, you know, and also, oh my God, am I going to get into trouble with Instagram? They're going to like ban me from their site. And it's addictive, you know, it's designed to be addictive. Do you think
0: that it's possible that, you know how that every action has a reaction and, you know, everything comes and goes in fashions? Mm. Do you think there will become, or do you think there will come a time where the fashion is to be off-grid? So teenagers will be like, uh, my nan's on Facebook. Right. You yeah. know, like, I'm not, you're not going to, do you think that I could think happen? I think
1: something like that will happen. I don't know if it will be like a retreat to like no kind of social media. I think maybe we'll see a different kind. I don't know, because mm. I think even Facebook feels a bit kind of old persony to young people now.
0: But I, also, it feels because... You know, most walks of life, most people in our society have Facebook.
1: It feels more just like a government, like yeah. log thing that totally. you have. Totally, Collect- they're farming all that data, George. They're bigger than the government now. Damn with Facebook! I'm gonna get so much trouble. Yeah, I just, I mean, if there's a revolt
0: and the reaction is that people just hide away, I am behind
1: that but app. it's man I mean it's man Mark Zuckerberg literally had to testify in front of you know Congress or wh- whatever it was and he's literally just created an app because he wanted to rate girls in his like university oh yeah he created that was how it started that, isn't yeah it? and now he's kind of he's swaying elections potentially yeah, yeah, yeah. around the world so yeah I don't know it's we live in interesting times George
0: this was part of where I think my anxiety was born from was just the world around me and me not feeling equipped for it me yeah. being like I don't think I'm ready for the future. I don't, like... Yeah. I think that's a perfectly rational response, to be honest. But I think that's part... I Yeah, that's why <laughs> I assume I'm not alone, because I'd see... A lot of my friends feel, like, seem
1: less bothered by it. I don't know. Are you someone that um, tells people to put their phones away or, like, not have them on the table? I just see my phone's on the table. I'm going to put No, them no, no, my phone's on the table. I think it really depends the setting. It really...
0: Puzzles me when you go out for dinner with someone and they put it on the table because I'm going. Uh. Uh, shall we order an extra chair? Do you want uh, like? Yeah. You know, it's that kind of like. <laughs> we're here now. I don't like it either when it's. I went to Pizza Express right. This was about a year ago, and I was with my family, and the table next to us were four girls, and they must have been about sixteen, and. They were still communicating with each other, but it was like with a lot less eye contact. So they'd be, it, I assume what they were saying was like, did you see what Jenny just posted? <laughs> yeah. Da-da-da. Oh my God. And they, they were just like relentlessly. And they're like, the Snapchat game was just through the roof. It was like pizza delivered, snap that. Blah, 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 taking a bite, snap that. Yeah. And it's like, thing is, this is me just looking through this window for one night, but you're doing this shit all the time. It's so much it requires so much time. <laughs> well, this is it. Do you know what? The release of Paradise, so the first single of this record, and like, near the, I really went it's to town. <laughs> yeah. well. Come on now. No, but I, I really hit. The
1: <laughs> that was my George impression. Sorry, it was really bad. <laughs> but I love that song.
0: I went to town with the kind of like. I don't know, the, the posts, and like I, I find it really easy to get sucked into that, like it's addictive. Yeah. And then at the moment I've definitely died down, the record's out, and it's kind of, it, it feels a bit less, my online team are gonna kill me, but it feels a bit less necessary for me to be as relentless at it.
1: And it does make so, me laugh how much sort of like, I, I, I would imagine the sort of general pub, public wouldn't know like how much social media is such a huge, of yeah, like,
0: record labels. Of a musician's life yeah. now. <laughs> Honestly, for you listening, it's literally <laughs> like they're meeting after meeting of like, we've come up with this idea, da, 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 da. whole
1: strategies. And you go like, but the thing is,
0: people like it most when I act like a wanko in my Instagram stories. Yeah.
1: And then they try and sort of like reconstruct anything you might have done that was kind of like. Cool, just or just natural. natural op- yeah. like, let's do it again, but the yeah. this lighting. <laughs> what we've done is we've spent money. <laughs> I just, yeah, exactly. And it's like, God, you never you can't believe how much content is apparently needed. Yeah. But it, it, going back to what you're saying, like, I think we all have this like quite conflicted relationship with social media and technology and the internet. But I think my therapist always tells me <laughs> um, it's about having, you know, a good enough relationship with something. So you, you never you're probably not all going to feel great all the time using social media, um, or, you know, it's going to give you anxiety, and it's about sort of managing, you know, not saying that you have to completely never have social media, for instance, but just kind of getting to a place where you feel like you you can kind of, like, you know, develop a sort of good enough relationship. I don't know, but...
0: Whenever I go on holiday, I delete the apps from my phone. I think it's good to take breaks. Yeah, but on this last holiday, I went on... By the way, for anyone listening, this isn't like I a gone holiday. The way I was saying that was like, last week's holiday. <laughs> but I, I, instead of deleting the apps, I just didn't feel the need to open them. And then when you do that for a week, when you do next open them, you're like, this is full of shit. Mm. Like, people are posting nonsense. There's, and I was spending hours looking through this. Such a time killer. It's su- it eats time. Do you feel as if you're experienced? And I would like urge anyone listening to go and watch Growing Up Gay. I think that it's kind of I don't want to, but there's bits in particular where you're going through your um, diaries that you've kept. Which hats off to you for keeping that up because I've tried sporadically throughout my life, and there's Mm. just like
1: notebooks with like two pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Yes, it's I don't. Yeah, I'm. I still I've got a diary with me, but I'm quite sporadic at the moment as well. But it's kind of like, obviously
0: a lot is documented, especially like you touch on in the documentary, like releases you use. All of your experiences, bad or good in life, do you think that you use them for creativity and you write about them and use them as like influence and inspiration or do you feel as if sometimes
1: your creativity is like an, ant- it's an escape from that? No, I think it's the first one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's also, in I think it's kind of both in a way, actually, because, um, but I think I've tried to sort of uh, think less about escape, you know, because I, I don't know, there's always, I cannot be the one, I become one of those people that always talks about their therapy, but I just was about mm. to say, my therapist also says, just one of those wankers that says this now, um, you know, the things that scare you, you should go towards them, you know, like that's how you kind of like grow and all of that. So I think um, it's like I always think performing music. And that's why I think I love performance so much, because it is this moment of fantasy and escape. And um, but but I think it's connected to, you know, all the things, the way I process, you know, my life, just the way I kind of experience the world Mm. and it feeds into it, you know, so it's kind of I guess it's a bit of both.
0: The one thing I'm really curious about is your second record as a band is, is it fair to say it's a concept album? Are you guys calling it a concept album?
1: I mean I think we kind of,
0: we're we're okay with that definition. That's kind of, (laughs) it's definitely not being done much at the moment at all. Did you know that's what you wanted to do? Yeah.
1: I knew from well. It's interesting. I guess the the album is sort of it's a concept album in the sense that it's um, even before we made any music, I was like, I want to create this fantasy world Mm. with um, you know androids and mysterious magical things happening, and uh, that I I just knew I wanted to do that. You know, because I was like, why the hell not? I've always wanted to make something like this, like. Didn't need to sort of like directly tell that story or anything because I just the songs just come from like personal experience. But they took on this like kind of different meaning in a way or diff- I don't know. I Just loved so when, setting it in this world.
0: Yes, yeah, so but when you were writing the record, the songs yeah. like, individually, were you going, "Oh, I need the song where this happens"? No, no, no. Right, no. Okay. So, no.
1: exactly. I wasn't doing that. I was kind of just letting the songs happen naturally, like mm-hmm. as I would normally sort of write anything, and then. Um, thinking about kind of telling the story visually, like the videos. And they and the, but then they kind of like started in, f- informing each other, you know, and then the album was kind of finished and we were making the music videos. And um, we didn't it was like our, my, our manager, Martha, that was like, you should call the album Palo Santo and the, the fictional play, because we were trying to figure out what the name of the city was, where all the <laughs> people who are listening, by the way, probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But basically the, this Palo Santo is the name of our album, second album, and it's also the name of this fictional place where um, these androids kind of like rule Mm. and human beings are like these famous performers in cabarets and all the androids come to see them because they want to like know what being human is like. Um, And so, yeah, my manager says, oh, you should call the city Palo Santo because you have a song called Palo Santo and um, it's, you know, we love the name and like the way it sounds and So I was just like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, and then the song Palisanto kind of took on a different meaning, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Does any of this make sense? Absolutely. I'm just like aware that, like, yeah, absolutely. It does make me laugh, you know. That in, you know, I I, it brings me like endless joy that I can, um, you know, be doing a promo tour and just be like. Yes, and this is what the androids did, (laughs) and this is what this magical symbol means.
0: Just making it up on the spot. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's really funny, and it's fun. Um,
0: Yeah. I'm really sorry. There was something I wanted to ask before um, that I completely forgot to ask. But with yeah, sorry. With everything that you like, knowing that you are somebody that experiences depression. Was there ever a part of you that thought, like being in the public eye or the success or the, you know, having to go on stage when you're not having the best day or, you know, all of these things come down to being in the public eye. Has that ever been, is there times that stand out to you where that's been particularly hard? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. I think there, well, I don't know. I suppose I I always expected um, a certain type of success, whatever that means, whatever it meant to me, would um, make me this like uber confident, uh, like invincible.
0: So you thought it warrior. would be like a, a key to fixing something in a way,
1: right? Like a okay. golden bullet, silver bullet, whatever the right phrases <laughs> um, that would kind of like you know figuratively slay all my demons. And then when that, you know, I felt like I'd gotten to a place which was beyond, you know, my wildest dreams, having a number one album, uh, and then realizing that, you know, it doesn't f- fix everything, obviously. Um, and th- and then sort of, tr- I'm just, I remember thinking that, and then, you know, I was in a relationship at the time that was like with this um, guy from Neil from Clean Bandit, and that was sort of becoming a bit public and and suddenly there was this moment where like we were having, we were like breaking up basically and, you know, I'd been on tour for about two years (laughs) and, um, you know, so many things had changed and like our relationship was being talked about in the press and I just felt like it was not worth it. I was like, I do not want this in my life. Like I just, I'd rather rather not have any of this like then have to, you know, I had a moment like that definitely um, and sort of less extreme times where I've thought like, is this really... I think I struggled, to be honest, when the album came out and the the year that followed. It was quite a difficult time because, you I suppose, you know, you're you're just trying to adjust to suddenly having achieved something which is so kind of phenomenally unlikely to have happened and then trying to kind of, like, understand how you fit into all of that. Um, Also,
0: I think there's an element of, like,
1: this is... The dream. This is like so. Th- is it supposed to feel like this? Right, and you feel like you aren't allowed to really complain.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, and also it's that thing of like, life is still normal. Like the other day, I was here. In fact, I was at Good Morning Britain, which they film here. Yeah. ITV. So I woke up, <laughs> was on national TV, then went home and had four, no, five weeks worth of American touring laundry to do. Oh, and course. so you're sat there having done makeup and everything and talking about like, isn't it great? Yeah. The album's still da 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 And then you get home and you're like, this is a really simple example of it. But it's like, yeah. life is the same. Life yeah. is completely normal, whilst also being completely bonkers. It's. I think it's a lot
1: for what I think it's quite hard to process isn't it I think sometimes you'll be like I don't really have any idea what's going on this is a bit mental um and I felt for a really long time you know god I'm so you know I, I you know I'm, the things that success came with you know which was like things that I always dreamed about and things that I, you know I don't come from money I don't come you know and it's earning money allowed me to provide for my family, it allowed me to support them, it's allowed me to support myself. Like it's changed my life no end for the better in lots of ways, you know, and all the success and it's given me confidence and I have a platform and I can like go through all this checklist, you know, of like, oh my God, I'm so lucky and I'm, I'm literally living the dream like mm. you said. Um, but, and so I felt like I couldn't really have, I had no right to even pe- like utter a single word that would might indicate anything was different. But then I just got over that. I was just like, do you know what? what was holding me back was just worrying that people would think I was full of myself, or mm. worried that people would think I should just get a grip. And sometimes you do need to get a grip, don't get me wrong, but actually, you, um, I just sort of realised that there was n- there w- I was worrying about what other people would think. And I was mm. like, I'm still doing it, I'm still, like, you know, I should just... I don't even know what, po- what my point is now, but I think I was going to say something like, let it, just let it be. <laughs> I think the only now on this record... For
0: myself, am I now comfortable with my close friends kind of admitting that what's happened has happened? Like I I used to like
1: tell white lies or like just dumb it down. This is so interesting. Do you have friends from? Are you these friends you've been friends with for a long time? Yeah, yeah. So
0: they're from home. I'm not from like a creative. My my family are all creative, but it was never. Uh, a means of income. Both my parents are teachers. I didn't come from like a circle of friends and family that, you know, were in, I don't know, the arts or anything like that. Show none bits. of the, Yeah, none <laughs> of this is normal for me or yeah. m- my, and I spent for the whole first record. I lived back home still as well at my dad's. And so you'd go home and it would just be a bit like, I think for most of the part as well, I was trying to kid myself and them that I hadn't earned any money. Mm. So it would be like, oh yeah, but you know, it all goes, to, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. It's the deal I signed, da, da, it's just not great. And it's like, George, it's okay. Like, it's okay to admit that it's gone pretty well yeah. and something mad has happened to you. That's all right. Mm. Like, in fact, it's almost more insulting to not enjoy it. Right. Like, it's more of a, yeah. So only now am I able just to be like, yeah, this thing happened and it's cool, it's fine.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Cause um, I feel, I think maybe feel quite similar. Cause a lot of my friends, me, you know, all my closest friends, you know, have had for a really long time, really most of them. And uh, it's very weird to suddenly be like, I, you know, my friends like, go from not being able to go out for a drink. Cause it's just like, it's more, mm. it's way cheaper to stay at home and drink you guys. Mm. <laughs> To then me being like, I, I can pay for us to go, mm. you know, and like that was, it's um just it's just a thing. It's an interesting thing that happens, like creates a sort of quite strange. I don't know. It's very. It's.
0: I can't even describe it very well, but um, I think I think if I'm honest, it's just owning it and growing up and being like, this doesn't change me, yeah, and it doesn't change you. It's like nothing's no, different. No, exactly, nothing's different. I think... Um, yeah, I did this thing on the first record in particular. When you're at the height of an album, you're more likely going to get clocked in the street and like people recognise you. Yeah. And I, I don't handle it very well. I don't, like, I'm never rude, but I. it definitely... I, I, this thing happens where I leave the front door and I'm completely... I forget completely that that might happen. Mm. And then when it does, I'm really on I'm like, oh yeah shit, oh hello, yeah, 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 let's have a picture, great. And then I'm thinking, who else is looking at me? I literally yeah. like I'm walking around boots going, like, better not buy what I actually need in case anyone sees me. I've just oh got some Epsom salts. So <laughs> embarrassing. But but it meant that on the first record as well, you don't want to go to certain Pubs or like certain events, but I never also wanted to say, "Oh, guys, can we?" Yeah, not? and then you because, feel like you yeah. feel like such
1: a dick, it, being like, oh, "Guys, actually, to I don't
0: know if you guys know, but I've got like <laughs> relative celebrity these days, so so you know. go and like." Whereas now it's like, I'm more comfortable just going. To, I don't know. Oh, maybe instead of going that place, do you mind if we go here? Just because I'm less likely to be clot I don't know. And just feeling comfortable with that. It's,
1: yeah. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I'm, I'm not <laughs> feeling like a dick about it? It's Yeah, it's hard not to, I think. Like, I, I, I feel feel like, I've yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. I feel very similar. Do,
0: do you ever do it where you, like, sit down in a restaurant with a mate or, like, a bar where you're going to eat and you ask them to face the room so you can have your back to the room? Have you ever done that? I mean... <laughs> I did it once, for, it was just me and a friend, and we were sat down. and This, this family were taking pictures of me while I was eating, like, because I was facing the room. Oh, and I was like, That's weird." I just, it was again, it was on the first record before I was kind of owning the situation. I was like, uh, Dude, do you mind if we swap seats? And he was like halfway through his carbon hole, and like, I mean, yeah, yeah, what's up? And I was like, Nothing. I, uh, I don't know, do, do you just mind swapping seats? And yeah. I didn't want to say it. So then you just look mental. I was just like, <laughs> I should
1: have just gone, hey man, that like. Do you know what I think is so weird about like g- getting recognised? Is it something that people, I so many people ask me like, what's it like getting recognised? Or they're like, it must be so annoying. Or like, can you, or they think, or they're like, you must not be able to take the tube or the bus or whatever. And I, It's just um, so weird when it starts happening to you and you're like, this is mental. This is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And then it's weird how quickly it becomes kind of normal. And then it quickly, how you forget about it. And then it becomes weird again. And like, I don't know, it's very strange. And, um, but my, oh, what was my point was, um, I can't know what my point was now, but I, now when it happens, um, not that you asked me this, but now when it does happen, I, like, genuinely, like, everyone's always so nice. It's, like, lovely, you know, and it's great. But but the only time I've, i Because I think I, it used to make me so uncomfortable because I would just be so paranoid about what people would, would, would think of me or, like, what they would say or, like, you know, like, I'd just be stuffing a sandwich in my mouth and someone's, like, notice me and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I've got a bit of, like, avocado on my lip. Like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, it would just feel all whatever, but, but but then I sort of go, I don't know, now I'm just over that, I'm just like, whatever, it's just fine, like, who cares if I'm a mess today and like, mm. I haven't showered and you want to take a picture with me, I'm just going to get over that. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely the
0: same now, and also now I quite enjoy, no one, I have enough experience now to know that no one's ever pushy, it's just like, oh, do you mind if I get a picture? And that's cool. Yeah. The thing that I used to hate, the reason I didn't like it, was not because of the person asking for the picture, it was the other people around us who didn't know who I was that probably thought I was loving it. So right. they would be like, look at that kid who I don't know who is, loving, have, he yeah. loves me. And I'd be like, no, I, this isn't what I'm about. You know? <laughs> You're
1: like, please, no, don't, oh no, oh God, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, it's so interesting talking to you about this. I know it must be really weird, like, and maybe you'll edit all of that out, mm. but I always think like it's, because I'm enjoying hearing, because I feel yeah. like it, it's quite rare to to, have a conversation like this yeah, with someone yeah. else who's, like, got, you know, experienced it. But then I always think, well, people listening, will they just be like, shut the, f- shut the
0: fuck well, up. Well, no, because <laughs> the point, I think, yeah, maybe there'll be people listening going... But that's okay. We have to be okay with that. But, but it's also... There's not a minute in any day that goes by where I, I'm not so aware of how fortunate I am. Mm. Like, I'm... I'm I've... Yeah, I love it too much to not know how lucky I am. But I'm also, uh, like, um, I think realistically enough to know that it's completely fine for it not all to be song- singing and dancing. Right, yeah. and, and I think that I would never want anyone to think I was moaning about what I'm doing. Man, if I wasn't enjoying it, I wouldn't do it, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but the truth is, some of it's weird. Like when you're just, yeah, it, mm. it, it makes me chuckle when, like, you're just at home. Like, at the moment it's the Durrells, I fucking love that, so I'm, like, at What's home. What's the Durrells? Oh, is that a TV show? Oh, make yourself comfortable, Ollie. It's this, <laughs> it's this TV show, um, so the Durrells are a real family, and the eldest son is an author called Larry Durrell. And the youngest son is this guy called Jerry Dole, who is like a nat- naturist, naturally, which is the one where you're not naked but you love animals. Naturist. Oh, naturist. Yeah, so he's maybe. like David Attenborough, yeah, and famous for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, in the nineteen forties, their mum moved them to Crete, um, and the eldest son documented it, and they've just made a series out of it. Um, oh. but it's fucking hilarious and beautifully shot as well. It's like Greek island, really beautiful. But oh. it's there's three things that play against each other, which are there's this like British family in 1940s dress but on a Greek island. So that's weird. But also, it's got quite a modern script. So mm. it's not like they're saying like in it, but mm. but there is kind of it feels looser than Downton would be or something. Right. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, Olly man, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Oh yeah, no, so I've been go. rambling so no, much. No, no, it's good. That's per, like I always just say, just go with it good. and we can do what we need to do. And then thank you very thank much. You. Thank you very much for your time, Ollie. Thank you for meeting me um, earlier in the year. And I hope, Ollie, that you had an amazing year. We didn't see each other again. We were at the same thing once or twice, but both very busy. So I hope you had an amazing year and I hope you enjoy your Christmas. Thank you very much for your time. Of course, thank you to Warren Borg for editing this podcast together, to Ocean Griffin for the animations, to Josh Sanger and the Closer Artist team for helping me do all of the admin, the sadmin, that helps get the podcast out to you. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to you for meeting me here each week. Um, As I said earlier, we're taking a little break now, so if you're new to the podcast, why not make the most of the break to go back and listen to some of the older episodes? Um, I think you'll love them. Other than that, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I will see you in 2019. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.